first ever podcast with the Keegan. This, this may be the world's first Keegan to Keegan podcast. How do you feel Hell about that? Yes. Could it's the real hard. could the real Keegan please stand up? What do you, what do you think about the double E versus the EA? Start with some controversy. Oh, like you know, I don't know if I'm biased, <laughs> but I do like the EA version. <laughs> the double yeah, E man. is. Uh, I wonder. I wonder why. I wonder why that happens and why they do that. I think every name has funky spellings, really, doesn't it? Because people were just making up their spellings. I think back in the day when names were getting uh, written down on some sort of ledger of who's a slave to who, you had to uh, sometimes <laughs> they slipped a Y in instead of an I on Smith or an E on the end and Smythe and Schmidt and you know, there's all those different variations of the same. Um, I do like double E. It's got a roll to it. Well, you take what you get, I guess. <laughs> kind of makes sense. Uh... So I want to hear today, we haven't actually had a really in-depth conversation, so today's a great chance to understand more of your journey. I want to start with what we're doing right now. Like what's what's buzzing, what's most exciting in, in your world at the moment? Yeah, awesome. I'm super keen to dive into this and have a chat to you and uh... – yeah, go a little bit deeper on what's happening. So yep. there's there's a few things happening at the moment and, and one of those is to do with handing over some responsibility in our own gym in Sanford uh, in Australia, in Brisbane, uh, and that's finding a head coach and a manager for our barefoot gym. So the intention for doing that, I guess, is to hand over more responsibility to someone else to take on ownership of the members and, and the management side of things. So then I can focus on things that, well, other things that I'm really passionate about. So uh, yeah, that's going really good at the moment, just really sorting out um, the background behind that and what needs to happen and and the right person for the job. And essentially once that gets in place, then uh, the second thing that's running sort of parallel to that is, is really getting this men's work up and running and, uh, when I say that, I I guess it comes from a place of knowing that it's almost like as men, we've been neglected of this uh, right to passage or um, this initiation into manhood kind of thing. And a lot of people, a lot of men are coming up against really simple, well, well problems that I think are, are quite simple or maybe you think are quite simple, but they seem to get like really stuck on. And, and for us, it's it's really obvious to see maybe the path that they should take, but for them, it's like really stressful or, um, or they can't really see the path or they haven't really experienced anything difficult. So what they're trying to visualize in the future just doesn't seem attainable. And also so, like, yeah, let's, let's zoom out from that. Like you're, you've had some really challenging experiences. Like tell us about, you know, some of the experiences that maybe qualify you to, to make those, you know, those statements if someone's yeah, going to say that they're, you know, um, yep. what, what are the other, what's the other side of the spectrum? Yeah, cool. So when I was 17, I decided that uh, when I left school, I was going to join the army. So I had to ask mum and dad, hey, can you sign this little waiver for me to join the army because I wasn't 18? little bit hesitant and they were like, oh yeah, okay, maybe we'll do this. Maybe he'll just do it as a fad for like a year. Um, so ended up joining 
and uh, went through like a, you know, a really big roller coaster ride. It was obviously very different to what I'd experienced in the past. Um, you know, when you get to Kapuka and stuff like that, they take your phone off you and um, you pretty much, you know, yelled at from like 10 centimeters away from your face and uh, get to, you know, told to do all these different things and really big wake up experience for me and really cool learning experience for me. And then, uh, you know, I went through the initial training for like six months, got to my battalion and, uh, and it was a really big wake up shock even from then because I had, our battalion had a whole bunch of, uh, veterans come back from Afghanistan. And this was about, I think it was about, um, early 2000, early 2000, no, it was the end of 2010. And, uh, they just lost about, I think it was about six guys on that trip and who are all like, you know, there's only 600 people or something that go over. So um, to lose that amount of people is incredibly significant. And it's like, you know, they knew each other really closely and it had a huge impact on all the guys. So when they came back, the emotion and the attention was really high. And I was kind of one of the new guys that came into the battalion and I was almost like waiting there for them to get back. And uh, I ended up making a few mistakes when I was first there and got absolutely drilled. Um, I remember I, I went out on the town one night and, uh, and got absolutely shit-faced. And I came back and I lost my phone that night and then I rocked up to the base and... Um, and I was drunk and I had the wrong hat on and I had like the wrong uniform on and I was, I was running to uh, catch this bus that was going to the range. Anyway, the, the buses and the, um, and the trucks and stuff had already left and I just got there and, and my corporal goes, Oi, Bizzle, come over here. And I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. I'm in this shit. And so this guy proceeds to beast me for a good, you know, five minutes. Like, what are you doing? Like, mate, you've stuffed up. You're in the shit now. And this was, I was like, I don't know, 18, 18 and a half, maybe nearly 19. And, uh, and I just like let down my whole company, um, which was going to be a flow and effect to the whole battalion. And, and I was basically going to get known as like the shit kicker almost uh, and, and almost be like the most hated person in the battalion. And that literally happened. So like this is on Friday. So come Monday, I got told to go home. Just don't worry about it. Got told to come back Monday um, and see the company sergeant major. And basically when I rocked in there on Monday, um, I got screamed at heavily and everyone heard it. So if you were within like a K, you probably heard it. <laughs> Just got absolutely beasted. Um, and then from there, I went down this, this huge, so they, so they gave me what they call restriction of privileges. So I, um, you know, wasn't allowed to use my phone and I had to sleep on base and I had to march around with a pack on and I had to sweep the gutters for like hours and hours on end. And yeah, it was just a really shit time. And I remember it was the most depressing that I've ever been. And it was a really, really tough time to get through. And, uh, I remember just being in my room before leaving and, and I'd, I'd check my pocket to make sure it wasn't unzipped or else, you know, that was literally like an infringement notice if I was to do that. And, you know, that was something I would to, to do wrong. Um, I'd always check if my hat was on correctly. So I'd touch my head, make sure my badge was at the front, 
check on my pockets and then I go to leave the door and then I walk back to the mirror and I go, okay, hang on, just wait. Like, yep, 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 pockets done up. Awesome, got my notepad, got my phone. Okay, and then I go to leave again and I go, oh, shit, hang on. Yep, I've got everything. And I was like literally that paranoid because I was in so much fear of getting in shit again and, and looking like a dick that um, it took me like 15 minutes to leave my room. So anyway, um, for the next couple of months, I got absolutely drilled um, and, you know, pretty much got like torn down uh, to nothing. And then I decided that I was either going to do something about this or, um, you know, I would be the shit kicker forever. So I kind of put my hand up to, to take the really heavy weapon of the section and I decided that that was going to be my mission. I was going to be the guy that carries a gun and, uh, and I was going to turn up for the group and do what I do what I could essentially. And then I also started doing CrossFit training and, uh, and yeah, over the next period of a couple of months, um, I really stepped up my game and, you know, became someone in the section that was respected. And then eventually I got put on a recon course because Actually, no, I think it was a, a heavy weapons course first because I was carrying the gun. They're like, oh, you might like a heavy weapons course. Did that course, uh, excelled at it, not not to like a really high standard, but did did okay at it. And then after that, they basically put me on a recon course, which I always wanted to do, which is kind of like middle tier difficulty. Like not a lot of people do it and those that do it find it really hard, but it's also really rewarding. Um, so it's basically like a course where you you learn how to be in a section of, I think it's five, five people or four people patrol through the bush. And you're, you're the guys that are ahead of the pack and you're basically gathering intelligence to pass back. So it's kind of like a bit of a, um, a slow moving group of guys that have got to be really disciplined and, and really good at their job. So anyway, did that course, uh, didn't do particularly well at that course, but finished it. And then this is kind of where it gets interesting because then a, a guy came around after that course and and he was asking um, he was asking everyone who wants to do the sniper course, and so he's going around to each person and he's like, oh hey Tim, do you want to do the sniper course? And Tim's like, oh I don't know man, it's a pretty tough course. And I don't know if I'm ready for it. And this guy this guy was super super like encouraging. He's like, oh no dude, you can do it because all the snipers were getting out. And then he left in the cell. So he was trying to recruit as many guys as he could. So he's like, oh, no, nah, dude, you'd love it. Like, it's going to be fun. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, nah, mate, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be like two times as bad as this. And so anyway, he comes around to me. And, uh, and I had a mate that asked me just before he was coming around. He's like, are you going to do it? And I was like, no, nah, dude, I'm not going to do that. It's like, you know, the hardest course in the army and definitely not going to give it a crack right now. I'd just been on courses for like two years and I was, I was a bit done. And so he comes around to me and he's like, hey, Biz, you want to do the sniper course? I was like, yeah, I'll have a crack. <laughs> and, and my mate next to me is like, dude, what the fuck? And I'm like, oh, man, I just couldn't resist. And then uh, he gets around to my mate and my mate's like, oh, well, now that Bizzle's doing it, I'm going to have to do it. So um, me and my best mate ended up doing the sniper course together, uh, which was an incredible experience. And, and it was another, another period of like... Um, ultimate stress for like eight weeks i'd say and the the training level was really intense we had tests back to back most days um heaps of uh heaps of like corporal punishment if you you know you did something wrong they'd give you a whole bunch of burpees and a really really cool course to do and, and we learn a lot 
Um, and then at the end of that course, I, I managed to pass it, which was, uh, which was really cool. So I was, I think I was one of, there was two guys that passed outright on that course out of, I think it was 10. So, and I was one of those guys. So I was, yeah, quite, um, quite stoked that I'd actually managed to pass it. And then basically after that, um, went, went and did my, uh, sniper team leader course. So, which was like the next level up. So where you're learning to be the leader of uh, a pair of snipers and then, yeah. So like, basically when you look at my journey from the start of, uh, my military career, it was kind of like the worst soldier ever. And then you fast forward, um, it was only about a period of like four years, I think, um, I was one of the most qualified guys in the battalion at that time. And I was, I was probably only, I think I was only 20, maybe 22 or 23, I think. And then I did my team leader course around when I was 24 or something. So yeah, to look back on that journey, really cool to go, okay, I've started off, you know, the worst person and turned out to be a really good soldier from, uh, yeah, from a place that um, didn't start out so good. So yeah, that's kind of the the military journey, and then basically from there, um, got really injured, and uh, was dealing with a lot of knee and back pain. Then decided to to leave the army and transition to something else. I was a little bit jaded at that time because we didn't get a trip overseas. And you know, as much as much as it sounds weird to say, but I like truly do wish that I went to Afghan or Iraq and 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 served over there because. Um, it's almost like you're training for so long to never to get to play the game. And that's really hard to deal with. Um, but I've since, I've since let that go. <laughs> trying, you know, really trying to let that go. It's obviously happened for a reason. And so ended up leaving the army with a whole bunch of injuries. And this is kind of where the gym story comes in. And so I started to change the way I was looking at health and fitness and um, going to more of a body weight um, training method and, and moving away from the CrossFit type of method. I loved CrossFit. I loved doing it. I loved the community, the intensity, but I just knew that um, it wasn't the right time for me then. So started to look a lot into um, Ido Portal's work, started to, to follow you a little bit on Instagram and, and have a look at what you were doing and really what started to play with. This was, um, I think this was 2016, mid-2016 would have been. Yeah. Yeah, and then how were the, how were the first few months after getting out? Like you lived that lifestyle, you're in the sniper kind of you know pointy end of of military stuff. Like it must be a huge culture shock. You know, did you go back to where you like where you are now? Like, do you go back to your family straight after all? Yeah, so it was it was quite difficult because you're essentially stepping out of that institution and and stepping into the you know real world, and I uh, wasn't really sure what I was going to do initially. So I sort of teed up a, a security job as a, an interim. I kind of thought that'd be okay to do. And it ended up being worse than the army. It was just, you know, the environment was twice as toxic and the hours were twice as shit. Um, and I kind of was regretting that decision. So straight off the bat, it was kind of like, I was like, what the hell have I done? Like stepped out of a, a good paying job that doesn't, you know, a lot of the time on base, you're not really working that much. So, um, yeah, it was a big culture shock. And then, um, like my dental's not paid for anymore. Um, it's all that stuff. You get used to the food accommodation. Yeah. Like it's a big Everything. thing to move away from that, isn't it? Like, yeah. And just like, you know, every week it would be a new thing that I realized that 
I'd have to, you know, like it was like got to fend for myself. Um, I think it, I think for a period there, so my parents live in Brisbane and my dad owns a, a petrol station and runs a mechanic business and stuff. So I think for a period there, I actually went and worked for him for maybe four months or so just on the front. What did you do? Yeah. Just like, yeah, till work and that. And, and, um, and probably the, probably the hardest thing is like the ego and like looking from where I was, you know, when I'd stepped out, it's like, oh, you're a sniper team leader. You're a corporal in the army. You've got a lot of responsibility. You're doing this high level job. Now you're a mechanic working on, well, you're a, you know, a kid working on the till at a garage station. The status, hey, it's this like status games, but everybody needs to feel valuable. You know, I think that's one of the challenges of the modern time is a lot of people feel irrelevant. We're talking about on last night's call, like the battle of the 21st century is to be relevant. And the way that you become relevant is to actually do something so you're not just one of the herd doing exactly the same thing as as everyone else. Like yeah. when you're in the military and you're one of the special ones and you've been through different things and you've got those badges. I think it's so wide into us as humans, you know, I think every species you know, has some kind of, uh, you know, hierarchy, especially you know, the more developed species have these hierarchies and the need to fit within a group and, and those sorts of things. So you have all that stripped away from you and then you're just a dude working in shop and you've got to, you know, you've got to make <laughs> yeah. your own money work. Like how, like, yeah, what was, what, what happened after that? Like how you were like four or five months there. Yeah. That's exactly right. It was just like a, it's just like I was at the bottom of the pecking order again. And I was like, oh man. And it was actually a really good experience, really humbling. And I was like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm super grateful to feel this because it's now time to, to step into something else. And, uh, and so I was kind of looking for a, a reason to step into something else. I started doing some network marketing stuff. I think that was, Which I was with, doing who that. You with? I was with Amway. I was the Amway guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had, I had Amway when I was like, 20, 21. I was like, oh, you, yeah. get, you can get groceries and, and fill it. And, uh, and then I looked at the prices and I was like, hang on, you know, what's what's going on here? Yeah, look a little bit how, how, how far did you go with it? I only had, I think I signed up one one friend. It was my friend. <laughs> and the other guys signed him up. I think, uh, I think it lasted about a month or something for me. We went we went pretty hard, me and my partner, Odell. We went pretty hard for, um, would have been maybe two years, I think it was, and we got to... Um, we reached the top of the bonus scale, I think for, for one month. So it's like 21% or whatever. Um, yeah. and then, and then decided that. It what do you think about it now? Network marketing. It's got such a massive stigma. Like I think a lot of people have just hit the like end and <laughs> get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> it's such yeah. a trigger for, for, for a lot of people to think of that model when they don't really mind companies making profits, but if if someone else is in the in the tree then it's just like no way it has yeah. all the profits must flow to the ceo <laughs> must go up yeah. to, the, yeah. to the manager hey it's, it's a pyramid like what what's the structure of the other companies <laughs> it's, exactly. it's quite hilarious it's no when different. you go into this stuff but uh, um, yeah what, like, what do you think about it now like reflecting on network marketing as a yeah business. reflect reflecting on it like I think it definitely has its place and I see a lot of value in it, especially the education. Like I, I got a education side of things. It's the yeah. first time after school that um, someone told me that reading books was probably a good idea. And that's where I started reading like Robert Kiyosaki um, yep. and Darren Hardy with the, um, yep. uh, what's his book called? The Compound Effect, I think it is. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, and just a bunch of those foundational books and and, and the community as well was was really tight. And I think it does depend on your leadership and like the team that you get put in sort of thing. So um, we had uh, we had Matt Rogers as our sort of like leader for the group and um, it was good to connect with him on the Gold Coast and his team and, and they were always really supportive and and um, yeah, so I think it's definitely got its merits, especially with the education side of things. Um, but there just was some stuff with like the the products and sustainability, um, yeah, and the, and the and the fact that it was driven on um, consumerism. And so, like, the more you buy, um, that's kind of like how you get your point, or, or whatever. It was encouraging people to maybe buy more things than they um, necessarily need. So, yeah, that's a bit of a moral, ethical, yeah ethical kind of values thing of your place in the economy. So this was after the, it's just directly after the mechanics work. This was, this was during it. So I was. Okay. So I was Did you do that while you were in the that. military as well? Yeah. Yeah. For about a year yeah, and a right. half, I think it was. Okay. So it was kind of your gateway to getting out of the military. Cause a lot of people can't get out once they're in, right. Because they, they have that comfort, et cetera. But if you were kind of climbing the rank and you're experiencing entrepreneurship then you gain that other level of confidence of like, hey, I don't need to have this paycheck. Like I can yeah. actually get my own paycheck and you were doing it. It's um, it's actually a really cool way to to bridge, I think. Yeah. And it was, it was also like, so when I was, I think I was uh, maybe 19 when I bought my first house and then maybe 22 when I bought my second. So I kind of knew that if, if shit really hit the fan when I left, that I could sell both of those like against my will, but I would be okay. So doing like having that there and then also the network marketing stuff was kind of working out. And then also knowing that my parents lived in Brisbane and they had a business and they'd probably, you know, put me up for a bit. Um, Yeah. That, that obviously helped with the transition and I did Uber and I did a whole bunch of other things as well. When I, you weren't afraid to just get work, just do, you know, do whatever. I think that's super valuable as well. Like I can touch in on, you know, the, the experience of network marketing and the experience of just getting any job and making it work, I think are really valuable experiences. All those things you're doing are like customer service as well. So you get totally. your skills relating to people. Um, yeah, just picking like, up little tools, putting them in my toolbox and, you know, I used them down the track, especially yeah. in my own business. You were super young investing in property. Like what? what uh, what's the story with that? Yeah, I had a mate that, his dad was like doing some property investing with a company. And um, I just had all this, like, cause I was 17 when I joined, I yeah, literally didn't know how to cash. spend. Yeah. I didn't know how to spend money. So I got out of Kapuka and it was like three months in there and I had five grand in my bank account at 17. And I was like, yeah, bitches, I'm rich. And I like, didn't know what to do with it. So I just literally left it there and my paycheck just kept going in there and like we'd go out and get pissed at night and it would be, you know, sometimes you'd spend like 500 bucks and and like, you know, we'd go to the strippers and you'd go just get shit faced or whatever um, as you do when you're like 17, 18 and stuff. And I remember being 17 and, and um, in, in Sydney and clubbing and stuff on my brother's ID and I would just spend heaps of cash. But I still managed to like save money because I just wasn't doing other things like buying a car didn't really feel the need. And then, yeah, this, this bank account just piled up to, it was like 40 grand or something. And then I started talking to my mate and he's like, oh, you should start property investing. And he invited me to something. And 
think it was like the next day after that presentation, I just signed the contract for a um, off the plan property. And yeah, that was kind of the start. And then I got really interested in um, the finer workings of property and still got a bit of an interest now, um, but probably not the right time. Yeah. To, to do any investing, but yeah, it's, that's kind of how it all started. Yeah. And so did you, uh, how did like how to go with that? Uh, we, we started to speak more about investing. Obviously, we're in the you know we're working together with the elite money club staff. Like how uh, how the journey go with the properties? I think you sold some stuff last year. Hey? Yeah, so I actually sold both uh, last year. So I, I have a feeling that things were going to take a turn for the worst in the economy, especially when like the coronavirus stuff started happening. So. I believe that I reached out to the real estate agent like as as the COVID crash was kind of happening and I managed to get my house on the market just before Melbourne got locked down. Or maybe it was, the first, yeah, just before Melbourne got locked down and then my other house, um, I think I sold at the very start of the year. So I'd actually done it a couple months before COVID hit. And because I just, yeah, I just felt like I I'm, I was going to need or want some access to some cash, especially um, I just felt like, yeah, it was either going to be stocks or crypto that I was going to invest in. And uh, I just really wanted some capital. So sold both of those and, and got a whole stack of cash ready. And then, yeah, just decided to start putting in different things. It's always interested me. When did you join Real Movement? It was... It was the start of last year. So the start of 2010, I think it was like the first or second of January, classic like new year 20, thing. 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just after the, uh, you, were you following the Instagrams and stuff? With like That was just after I had the camp with Sonny Bill and Mitch and yes. Troy and that were around. Yeah. 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 I think I was, yeah. yeah. I, I just knew, I just knew of you and I, I don't know if I f- would follow the Instagram specifically, but yeah, I just yeah. knew that you had a good platform and I, the main reason was just, I just wanted to get my own training back in order. Yeah. And I was seeing Ben Patrick all the time on Instagram. And that was like, I think that was like October, November or something. And Odell actually did Ben's program before even I heard of Ben. She was showing me, she's like, look at this guy doing this knees over toe stuff. Cause she's a, a former runner and she has not so good knees. Okay. Um, yeah, so she's like, look at this guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And then I'm like, oh, he's connected to Keegan. I'm like, oh, maybe I should do the real movement stuff and, and start training. And that kind of that's kind of how it started. So props to yeah. you, Odell. Thank you. <laughs> so you already kind of uh, – because I was talking quite a bit, 2019, of like – well, I told people, you know, like we're selling a house. And within real movement, I was talking to people about, you know, um, silver and, you know, starting to look at Bitcoin. and. Because I, you know, we sold our place, and I was thinking, like, what's Marvin property at the moment? Yep. Uh, and so we were having those conversations, and then, yeah, sort of, you'd already you arrived at similar conclusions. So I guess once you started seeing, you know, what I was sort of talking about, you would have been like, yeah, well, I'm already, you know, I'm already <laughs> kind of thing. Like we're on the same wavelength. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Keegans were onto it. They were, they were vibing <laughs> hard. <laughs> they knew what was coming. You wanted to. You want, what about crypto? Like, when did you um, when did you first start on crypto? Oh, probably 
the same time that a lot of people did, which was like the height of 2017. <laughs> yeah, so many people started then. Yeah, because like it was obviously just talked about so much and and I think that was Odell again. She was watching I didn't care at all. Hey, I wasn't interested. I don't. I didn't even consider really? it. Yeah, I don't know. I must have my head in. Like, I'm just so focused on like, yeah. this is, I just, income's going to be my solution. I'd never have to think about what I do with money. <laughs> I just have to make more of it and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, at some stage, it's, you realize, no, that doesn't actually that. work. But yeah, so 2017, you uh, you bought some. How far was it before the, before the crash? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it was like, I don't know. Maybe five days or something. <laughs> How did that go down? We, like, I guess you already bought property, so it wasn't like your first investments, but it must have been pretty crushing. Yeah, well, it was It was kind of good because I, for some reason, I only bought like maybe three grand worth of Bitcoin or something. Yeah, okay. And then, but I ended up like putting it into um, into what turned out to be some scams, which was just like another network marketing thing, but different. ICO stuff, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and ICOs, and I bought like four or five shit coins. And, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, invested in this network marketing thing, and okay. anyway, ended up losing it all. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, but I was still I was still watching it, and I was just watching it go down, and it, like you know, it hit like nineteen seven or whatever, whatever it was, and slowly yep. going down. And I think the next time I looked at it, it was like fifteen, and then I looked again like six months later, and it was like. 10 and i'm like what oh my god this is crazy didn't it drop uh, straight down to like three grand us or something like, yeah i think know, that was during covid pretty fast and, yeah uh, yeah like it felt it felt again during covid but it was flat for like a lot of a lot of the time between 2017 and, and like 20 it sort of didn't really yeah, do much just dead it's just like flatlining he's a i wasn't sold sold out yeah. like they, they got you know it was a tough time. Yeah. I wasn't really sure what I, I like. I kind of, I did believe in it. And I also bought some miners. I bought like, I put a whole bunch of money into some mining stuff, mining Litecoin. And they're still, we still got them and just haven't yeah. done anything with them yet. Someone else is looking after them. But um, yeah, I we bought them at like three grand a pop for a miner. And they're like, you know, a little bit of um, hardware. And I think they... They cost about eight hundred now or something, and so we just got absolutely ripped, um, which was which was another good lesson. And then basically, like I was just watching the market, and and I was really interested in it. And then I had some spare cash after selling the houses and stuff. So I actually, I think the first time I bought back in was like six thousand US or something. As it was as it was coming down during COVID, I was like, I was like, oh man. I have to buy this <laughs> and no one else really understood around me. And I, I've actually got a software engineer uh, mate that lives at our house and he's partners with um, Odell's sister. And I was talking to him around like, I think it was Feb or March about like a impending crash kind of thing and, and Bitcoin and everything. And I reckon it took me a good like four or five months of constant hounding for him to like finally look at Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency and stuff and start investing. Um, so yeah, it, I don't know why I just decided that it was a good idea so fast and why it takes people like so long. That was that was his first investment and I'd sort of like, 
I just saw the value. I was just like, this thing is an engineering feat of the decade. And, you know, the price has to go up because um, the way the economy is going and the money printing, it's just, oh, I just kind of got it. And yeah, super grateful for that. Hey. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting time. You know, it's it's still, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But obviously, since that point at $6,000 now, it's like thirty five. Um, if you're talking US dollars, but um, yeah, happy days. So, so was that that was your like re-entry into pretty much? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. I might have bought some at like twelve or thirteen US, and then it was still going down. But I wouldn't have bought much, maybe like six hundred bucks worth, and then yeah, bought some at at six grand, and then I was kind of, I was just buying as it was going up. I think I put most of it in the share market actually, um, which was really cool because I ended up doubling my money in the share market anyway, when, as the that COVID crash was happening, yeah. um, which was great. And then I kind of just put all that into, into crypto as the market was recovering and buying around like nine and 10, 10 K us and 11 and 12 and 13. And basically all the way up till like 18 or 19. Yeah. It was a cool little. Yeah, it's a Mine's pretty, pretty similar, but I started a little bit later. Um, but yeah, the I thought I would be concerned that that I, I think there's another you know another dip coming in the in the share market and it might not be the same game to dump all your spare cash in there expecting a V shape you know recovery might you know I'd hate for someone listening to think oh yeah that's that's a good strategy I can't yeah. wait for the next yeah. one because <laughs> might yeah it might not be that same. Uh, that same bounce back look obviously that turned out well yeah and like i don't know just with i'm just really good at <laughs> taking big risks and and they just managed to to turn out really well well that's my experience so far i haven't got too burnt because I, I think i in in some way or another i dip my toe into the concept and then once i understand it i'll go heavy yeah, um, and that's kind of worked out really well for me so far. Like I did that with the gym and stuff, and with investing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's go back to the gym. Like, what was your dip your toe kind of like? Let's start something here and see what it looks like. How did you do yeah. that? Yeah. So that would have been when I was still in the army. I was training, training guys to be snipers, and we'd take them for runs, and we'd take them for PT sessions, and um, we'd always be in the gym and doing all that sort of stuff. So I loved doing the working out and the fitness stuff and and focusing on that and then a lot of people were asking me about like crossfit stuff and lifting and all these sort of things and i yeah i'd always sort of loved doing that so that was kind of like my you know dipping my toe in and then the network marketing stuff had a lot to do with health so i was like learning heaps about health and i was giving these health seminars on weight loss and nutrition and so that was kind of like a little bit deeper in the rabbit hole and then and then so i at this point i got out and then i was deciding what i was going to do and i had this network marketing business and then someone just goes like oh, why don't you why don't you get your pt certification and then i was like oh yeah i could do that and i could like train people and do the nutrition and they could buy my products and kind of all made sense right and so i decided to do that took about i don't know it was like 10 weeks that i did my pt cert in and then and then it would have been maybe maybe a month after I got my cert, I was like, 
hey, dad, can I build a gym? <laughs> he's like, he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, oh, like on the property at home because we live out in uh, Highvale. And so, and then, yeah, bizarrely, he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then it was like a 50 grand gym and like super grateful for you, dad. You're an absolute fucking legend. Um, this man, oh, he's, he's gone out of his way for me. He's, I just absolutely love him. And so he built this gym and, uh, and yeah, I was just like, okay, I'm a gym owner now. And this is, yeah, like probably eight weeks after I got certified. So the length of time that it took me to do the course, that's when I decided and I then built a gym and I had this gym and I'm like, okay, so now I've got to do something with this gym. I'm a gym owner now. And I didn't really know much about fitness at all then. Well, I knew a little bit, but not as much as I know now, but that was kind of like, okay, jump in the deep end. All right. What do I got to do? Um, you know, I hit up, um, drew from alchemy and I was like, let's get the marketing going and let's get people in the gym. And then, um, how did you know drew? I think I met him through, uh, Rod Cooper from the movement collective. Yeah. yeah. He knew him. Yeah, Drew, Drew started real movement with me. Drew and Ben were like my pit, my partners in real movement project in 2014. That's, yeah, um, awesome. Is that after the, the movement team? probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for those those two guys? Because I changed from Coach Keegan to Real Movement Project, basically to incorporate them, you know, yep. to work together. Um, and That's then awesome. they pretty soon realized that they, you know, wanted to do their own things with business coaching, which yep. was, you know, which was cool. And um, you know, we went our separate ways, but they've, you know, they've done amazing stuff. Yeah, still chat to them from time to time, and done a few things with them since then, but. Yeah, it's a small world, I guess, once you're uh, in the training world, you know, with Rod as well. Like he was yeah. almost, he was sort of business partners with one of the guys that was in real movement in the early days as well. And he's, he's you know, taken it on the journey since then. So, yeah. That's cool. Hey, like once you're in the yeah. loop, you just find that you, you stay in there and you meet everyone. And Yeah. So how, how was the launch? It can be a really challenging, stressful time. Like, Oh, man. Well, <laughs> it got pretty low. <laughs> um the first the actually yeah when i got my pt cert my mum so my mum owns a 25 minute swimming pool and she does like kids coaching and yep. a little bit of adult stuff and this is probably the low point she goes um although i was totally up for it i was like yeah let's do it she goes we should do aquapole in the pool and you can coach it and i'm like okay what's aquapole <laughs> she's like it's like pole dancing in the water. And I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> and, so, and so I went and got this Aquapole certification. And, you know, so I step out of the army. And then next minute, I'm, I'm coaching these 60-year-old women in the pool. Like, <laughs> how to do pole dancing. And I just had this moment where I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I was like, oh man, this is bizarre. And then so I was kind of like, okay, I don't know if this is so that was kind of like the marketing. I went really heavy on the marketing for Aquapole. And it actually did really well in Sanford because there's a lot of that population. And it just went gangbusters and everyone was talking about it. And I had like <laughs> <laughs> I had like thousands of people messaging me <laughs> oh man it was just sure, hey, business like you gotta, be, you gotta be in it to win it like give it a crack <laughs> who would have thought oh, i know and so i just went like yeah just went hard on that 
which was great. I think that's just, I tend to do that. Like if I get my, my head focused on, on doing something, I just go really hard. Cause I, especially I knew, I knew what it took to be a, a sniper team leader. So I was just kind of like, all right, if I'm going to, if I'm going to make this work and I need to make this work and I need some income, then, uh, yeah, I've got to go hard and I've got to really, I've got to really understand everything. So that was kind of my intro to business and like got the mind body app set up for the the client management and yep. learning how to do all that. And I was like, man, this is intense. Like heaps people messaging me and booking in and yeah. And, and then mom goes, oh, you should, you should teach some of the kids some ninja stuff as well. Well, not ninja stuff. She said strength and conditioning stuff. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. That'd be a good idea. And so I chatted to Drew and we got like a ninja, a kid's ninja um, marketing thing going. And then that went gangbusters and that like, that hit like a hundred kids. And then, and the member side of things, it was like all movement, body weight based stuff back then. And I had like, I don't know, it was like maybe 11 members or something in the gym. And it was, it was just struggling for ages. And this other stuff was going crazy. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I was doing the pole dancing and then like the kids ninja and just, yeah, I got to a point where I was like not working out at all and just purely doing like these things. And don't get me wrong, like doing the aqua pole stuff is actually quite hard. And especially when you're out of the pole, you're out of the water and you're doing the exercises and they're in the water, like after two or three classes, your abs are just like ripped and you're just like, man, this is tough. And then going to teach kids and you've got to show up for them in high energy. And so I was like living off coffee, but I wasn't like specifically doing any training or any running or anything like that. Um, so yeah, started to get, you know, not so fit. Um, and my mental health suffered and, and yeah, I wasn't eating the best. And then kind of got to a point where I was like, Hey, I need to do something. And that's kind of when I reached out to you guys. Um, yeah. And I was like, I need to, I need to change up my training. And then, and so this year, was it this year? No, last year was when I did a couple of events. I did a 24 hour, um, adventure race, which is cool. I did, uh, I think it was like 140 Ks all up and a whole bunch of running and kayaking and biking. And I did a six hour one and then I did the, um, 50 K, uh, Spartan obstacle course race, which was cool. It took about 12 hours or something. So I did dive into like- Keeping your keeping your military mentality. <laughs> yeah, I really needed. I just needed to test myself and and yeah. um, still know that um, you know I could train for something and and show up for something and commit to something and achieve something like that. And it was and like I love I always love those experiences because they are always so humbling and it kind of knocks you back a peg in terms of like hey you're just another dude and you're just doing your thing and a lot of people are exactly like you and. Um, yeah. And, and actually just shows you that, that anything's possible. Cause I still had some knee and back pain and that was kind of the motivator to do Ben's stuff and your stuff was to get rid of that and then do these events. And then, so I ended up doing them and, and not having much of an issue apart from when I sort of fell off a rope and twisted my ankle towards the end. But apart from that, like my body was good. So yeah. It's a huge challenge for a lot of coaches. Hey, they stop training and then it's like, really negatively impacts the way they look at coaching and the way they look at their whole life and career. Like I'd say it's one of the biggest benefits, you know, there's lots of different reasons why people, you know, like their experience with real movement, but probably Mm. the biggest one is that it makes people train better and be more excited about training. And then that just flows on into like, well, what else can I get better at? Like hundred percent. 
it seems like so obvious that like coaches were trained, but <laughs> it's really, really common. And I've been through it myself and, and yeah. it feels terrible. Like when you, you fall off with your own training, like when I was coaching the professional teams and whatnot, if I fell off a bit with my training, like it was just, it was so much harder to be the coach and to be in that environment. It's like constantly, like you're constantly in contradiction between what you do and what you say, you know, and, and that's never a good place to live. Like it's, um, no, it feels, yeah, it feels terrible. You feel like, a fraud, a massive fraud. How's it been for business since you like got your buzz back with with training and overcame some of those injuries and those things? Massive. Yeah, we've gone. So the gym after COVID, we decided to change up the way that we did some stuff at the gym as well. And instead of going like, we're really we're really adamant on like you must like you don't wear shoes in the gym and that's like a thing. And so after COVID, we're like, let's just be a bit more relaxed with that and let's do a little bit more um, boot camp training stuff and and sort of um mold it a little more to what the people and what the culture actually wants around us and then and then yeah like double double and a half day our membership which was awesome and uh it's been pumping ever since so yeah that's that's been really good this year or well, last year last year was like my best year i've ever had so i'm absolutely yeah. stoked same yeah same same on this side and yeah, it's been cool to connect, you know, and even, you know, you get to hang out with my, my brother and the kids and those sorts of things. Is, uh, yeah, really, really cool. I need to catch so, up with him again soon. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, we're getting, I think, I think let's, let's loop around to finish up with the, <clears throat> so you, you basically, like we've heard a bunch of your story here and you, you're sort of getting to the point where it's like everyone needs to experience some of this challenge and the high and the self-belief that comes on the back of, these really challenging experiences, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the the next big thing that you're pumped about. That's it. Yeah. Just really showing people that, that they can do it and they need these experiences and it's going to benefit them in their life. And um, because it definitely has for me and, you know, for you and, and for everyone else that has gone through them. And uh, I think it's just such an important thing that's missing these days in, in our culture, especially for, for men is like this initiation of manhood or these, um, this resilience training and also, and like, it's just a lot of things around like teaching people that they have a choice in everything that they do, you know, like tomorrow I could close the gym and I could, and I could move to, you know, Western Australia if I really wanted to. And like, I don't have, I don't have to, to show up to work. I'm choosing to show up to work and just little things like that. And, and just being really self-aware as well. And so that's, that's what I'm really passionate about at the moment and, and showing other men that that's possible and, and even creating more connection with themselves, others and, and nature and the world around them. And um, yeah, so me and Luke from the farm gym are putting together this, this program coming up for, for some guys, um, which is going to be epic. So it's going to bring back a bit of my military stuff and chuck in a bit of what Luke knows and get around the farm gym and um, yeah, and, and pass some really valuable stuff down. And I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it. Yeah. For those like Luke, what he's done there with farm gym on the sunshine coast, it's yeah. basically like kilometers and kilometers of uh, obstacle course and, and, you know, sculpted land, you know, to, to create an experience. He worked with survivor, do you know, he, he, he worked in uh, Latin yeah, America. Building, yeah. Building. Yeah. The obst obstacles stuff. over there. And, and, but it's also like he loves like the puzzle of like not just an obstacle, but like how people might go about solving this in a team and what the psychology of the situation is and 
So yeah, he's a he's, smart uh, dude. He's all yeah. Over. He is a really smart dude, and he just he makes it happen. Like he builds it, and it, and then it's there. And it's like he's had you know, yeah. That that farm gym, like he joined Real Movement. He was uh, working in mining, you know, uh, in Perth, in Western Australia, and then he's like, oh, I'm going to have to have a go at this. And and you know, then he, he built his own little gym, and you know, he moved back home to where he's from and built built the gym, and then the gym was you know, doing okay. But when real movement events came there, like we, we all turned up there and we're like, you have to open this up so we can bring crew here and yeah. whatnot. And then like one, one group came and another group came and then you know, <laughs> it was like, you know, probably 50 events from, you know, real movement, you know, members bringing, bringing their own crews That's along awesome. to that. And it's just, yeah, it's so good what they've done. Like it's, uh, I think you're going to, yeah, it's going to be a special experience to take it to another level with this, like, so you're thinking uh, six till six, hey? Yeah, six p.m. till six a.m. And uh, yeah, I don't want to reveal too much, but <laughs> but it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough six. It's gonna be a tough twelve hours, but it's gonna be life changing. You, you're you're gonna come across yeah a lot of stuff, and and you know yeah it will be physically hard, but it'll be it'll be mentally challenging, and and you know you'll come up with fear and doubt multiple multiple times possibly a thousand times during that period and it's kind of about navigating that and understanding and and learning how to let go um and and knowing that you have choice like you chose to be there kind of thing and and i think a lot of people teach this stuff and they they tell you how to um have adversity and resilience and and choice and and be aware but you never get you never get a, an opportunity. Well, it's rare that you get an opportunity to practice that in an environment that's not um, that's not like safe or stress free. You know, like it's you're re- you're reading a book about it, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm sitting in my bedroom under my doona covers reading this book about how to be resilient. It's like, no, you need to fucking practice how to be resilient, uh, and and you need to practice that and understand that the choice is yours and. Yeah, so I think it's invaluable. I think it's every, really invaluable. Every David Goggins and uh, Jocko Willink fan has got a long book into one of these. Because it's one thing to want to actually go to war and and do that. Like it's it's a you know it's a separate conversation, a big conversation. But what you're inviting people to do is experience extreme challenge discomfort and in, in another and see how you look at yourself on the back end of that see how you look at yourself in the middle of that yeah so you look at the people around you as well like i imagine Absolutely. there's gonna be a lot of real movement kind of crew there those experiences just you know huge bonding experiences like it's something you're gonna remember for the rest of your life it's 12 hours but you know it's like you know the yeah everything changes i guess with well it's an opportunity for a lot of things to change um yeah, it's, it's super exciting, man. Like I've, I've done one of those kind of experiences over in the US. It's like 30, 32 hours or something. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, you're onto something. Like it's it's something the world needs more of for sure. So, um, yeah, I'm excited excited for it to see how it goes. And also just because, you, you know, you really want to do it. Like you're going to yeah. keep – your gym's going to get better and the service that you're able to offer – like you, you're going to do it slightly differently, but we've been talking about like how that service can continue to improve and you add more value, even though you change the structure a little bit. 
And at the same time that you're following your, you know, what you really want to do next, what you what you're passionate about, the impact that you want to have on the world. And I think whenever that's happening, like life is good, you just want to get out of bed, you want to get into the, you know, into the process of it. Like there are a lot of things to do, a lot of things to organize, and you have the doubt, like what if no one turns up or what if X, Y, Z? But like you're alive when you're doing those things. I think that's probably like the thing that I love most about what you're sharing there. Yeah, I'm pumped. I was, I was working well, on it today and I was just like, yeah, couldn't get off the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like, welcome, welcome to my world. It's, it's a digital <laughs> world that I live in. But it's so good. You know, there's so much, so much good stuff. Yeah, and, yeah have you yeah, left that yeah, this, this is This is freaking, you know, having these chats is, is a big part of my 2021. Like I, I want to know, you know, more of, of uh, the people that I'm relating to, like taking it to another level of, of face-to-face contact. Um it's, it's so much different to chatting to people on, on Instagram and, and Facebook and direct messaging and text messaging and those sorts of things. And yeah, it's a, a big focus for me this year is to actually get face-to-face a lot more. Ideally, you know, we'll be doing these events and, and things together and I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll be traveling around, you guys will be traveling around, but there's things there that we can't control. And that we do yeah. have the opportunity to do this. And yeah, I really, I really thank you for the opportunity to, to do this today. I know it's uh, like midnight there, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're dedicated to the cause. You've shown that you are, you know, you still got that warrior within you by uh, booking a podcast at 11 o'clock at night. So, um, yeah, you're yeah. like, oh, I could have done one in the morning. I'm like, oh, yeah, could have done that. I thought you were going to brush me because sometimes people book in for these, the one to ones, and then they're like, oh, no, it was like two in the morning, and they, they just didn't, they got the time zones mixed up right. on the, yeah. the call booking thing. So, I actually didn't think you were going to book in. I was like, just budging that hour for <laughs> somebody else, like, oh, there's no way he's showing up. Then, uh, but it was only 11 it wasn't like two <laughs> in the morning so um, oh, yeah um, I love that man thank you for the opportunity it's been it's been good to chat and um, yeah look look forward to what's coming this year and um, just keep going yeah let's do it again soon <laughs> alright thank you brother see you man